Hello, everyone. You are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM London Radio, broadcasting live from our homes. My name is Nine. My name is Ash. My name is Giovanni. My name is Melissa. My name is Marie. And hi, I'm Emmanuel. Well, we wish we could start off by saying good afternoon, but we would honestly be lying if we said things are good right now. Today's show is in honor of all the Black lives that have been taken by the police. The death of George Floyd on May 25th is a repetition of what has been happening for centuries. Black lives continue to get taken away. In addition, we are still under a pandemic, which has impacted factors in the movement. Despite of COVID-19, many people are coming out to march and protest against injustices in Black communities. For this show, we will be in several conversations and hearing perspectives from Black folks and youth activists. The WhatsApp team will also talk about their experience in advocating. We have been active in different ways to spread awareness through social media and art to continue the movement. Our team is Brown Latinx folks, and for that we hold a responsibility to also open up the conversation on the unity and division of Black and Brown folks during these times. While some Latinx folks have shown major support, others still lack the information needed to understand the reality in front of us. So we will be taking our time to talk about danger, the danger of silence, and how to educate our families. The Black Lives Matter movement was first created by Alicia Garza, Obotameti, and Patrice Cuyors in 2013 after George Zimmerman was acquitted of shooting and killing 17-year-old Trayvon Martin. But as Black Lives Matter began gaining widespread attention, people started using All Lives Matter in response of the movement. To further include or like explain, using the term All Lives Matter is counterproductive of the movement of Black Lives Matter and it actually just belittles the whole movement in itself. So it's not like wise to use the term All Lives Matter because you're just belittling the term and obviously All Lives Matter, but what's more important right now is how Black lives are being taken away by cops and any and the systematic racism Black people face on a daily. So that's why it's smart to use Black Lives Matter. So thank you so much for listening to that, and we will be playing a Vox Populi. Hey y'all, with everything going on right now, there is many people voicing their narrative and speaking up, using their huge platforms, resources, and being activists for the cause. However, I wanted to hear from the people, the students, workers, educators, health workers, and so many more. I wanted to give a platform to all members of the community to express their ideas, opinions, and concerns. Here, I interviewed youth from the community. Let's hear what they had to say. Can you tell me what Black Lives Matter means to you? Black Lives Matter is one of the most influential human rights movements of the 21st century that is dedicated to fighting, and advocating for Black and African Americans against the internalized and normalized racism within the criminal justice system and the overall American government. Black Lives Matter means exactly what it says. Black Lives Matter is not everyone treats and values Black lives like they do. Para mí el movimiento en las vidas negras importante significa justicia para todos los afroamericanos que han sufrido muchas injusticias del racismo que what Black Lives Matter means to me, it's a continuation of the civil rights movement 
but at a different level and at a very different century at the moment. It is to help those and fight for those who have been victimized, who have been murdered from police brutality and that needs to have justice and we're going to keep fighting and fighting till justice is served once and for all. What is your perspective on the protests and riots that occurred throughout the week? I think the protests and riots are necessary. Black people have gone years without being heard, especially if they protested peacefully. They suffered years being like trampled and mistreated and were never able to have a voice, so now is their time. Rioting in your own community is definitely not the way to go since it takes longer for the government to aid Black communities, which is, again, what they are fighting for. The system needs to provide same, if not more, access to resources and opportunities for Black communities. Burn it up. I think that a lot of the times, a lot of protests were meant to be peaceful. I don't, I mean... Law enforcement, they do things that, I mean, not surprised that they were turning these things violent. Not surprised that police themselves were starting the lootings, are damaging property, are telling store owners and business owners to damage their own property. I'm not surprised. But at the same time, like, why shouldn't this be going on? Because everything else we've tried has not given us the results that we've been looking for. As a young activist, and supporting the BML. We are here to show our message peacefully, just like MLK taught us to do. And although violence is our last resort, we never wanted it to go that way. We tried to show our messages to corporate buildings, but I feel like the looting and all the other stuff, especially on local businesses, has gone out of hand and is not part of the BLM movement. You know, I believe there has to be a clear distinction of protesters who are looting corporate businesses, whether that be to stress this political statement or whether they need aid such as water or milk to soothe their vision after being pepper sprayed or tear gassed, and looters who are simply taking advantage of the cause to vandalize and thereon smearing the image of our protesters who are genuinely for and about the Black Lives Matter movement. What would you say is the importance of raising our voices against injustices? And at what point is just saying something not enough? It's important to speak on injustice because if we just let an incident like this just slide under the rug, imagine how many more are going to slide under the rug. This has been something that we've been like protesting for for such a long time that it feels like if me just talking to you won't wake you up, Maybe me screaming to you will. The importance is if we don't talk about it or express our feelings, then nothing will change, obviously, because if you do nothing, nothing happens. People might not understand because that's how they were raised. But if you speak up, say your mind, talk to people, help them understand. And if they do understand, good, because then they will help other people understand. It is very important because all our lives we have remained silent and although some leaders have tried to take action as well as word to change the world, our words can't always fight every battle that we try to fight. At this point, people are fed up and people are willing to take action, even if it's violence within it. Why should we unite and support movements that are against systematic racism and injustices? Why the f*** not? At this point, like, what is the other choice? I was having a discussion with someone and they said, oh, wow, like, you're you're very passionate about this topic. But I was like, what else are we supposed to be if we're not passionate right now? Are we supposed to be quiet, not do anything, try to do this the lawful way? 
that's not possible. A lot of the power that we have comes from physical individual power to go out and do things, to come together and build something with the people that we are in agreement with. I don't really see another option. I think that I, I've been said, and I guess more people need to hear this, but if you're not with it, we don't care about what you have to say. If you are not with it and you're not trying to listen to us and you're going to keep believing whatever you believe, which is not what we believe, we don't care what you have to say. Over the course of uh, recent years, it's been truly remarkable to experience and be a part of the power of youth, minorities and people of color. The truth is police brutality and racial profiling to, you know, only name a few among many other issues are a manifestation of the liveliness of racism in today's society. And recently with George Floyd's murder, we're taking a particular angle of analysis on this racial prejudice and discrimination and its influence over our law enforcement. In in this particular time, I believe our country has awoken. Hardly anyone, you know, can deny the voice of our black brothers and sisters and their allies because we have manifested ourselves in I would say such a huge number. We've made our voices heard through acts of protests, social media, national news. I mean, even other countries have joined into the cause. This is the biggest and most lasting protest yet, and we're manifesting a truth so large, no one can deny it now. And finally, what is the next step after this? What can we do as members of our community? I would propose a couple of things. Uh, we need to truly implement, first and foremost, more tactics that favor social and restorative justice into our criminal justice system and law enforcement. Secondly, we must also establish stricter and more frequent psychological evaluations of government workers. And we must definitely simplify the firings for officers who abuse their authority and violate basic human rights. You know, not just put them on desk duty, not just place them under temporary suspension. We must hold them accountable and enforce the heavier consequences over them. Bueno, los siguientes pasos serían seguir unidos porque es muy importante que estemos unidos para que nos puedan escuchar nuestros gobiernos. You can help people understand that it's it's mean to to be like that and everyone's equal and African Americans are beautiful how they are and that they have feelings personality if if you, someone would tell that about you, you wouldn't like it. So treat people how you want to be treated. I think the next step is to continue on educating each other on how to help black communities more. Because even if we do get what we're fighting for, which is justice, it is up to us to educate not only past generations, like our parents and our grandparents, on how they view other people, black people specifically. But it's also our job to raise our children, seeing not only skin color, but like it's seeing everyone as equal. So I think it's all of our duty to fix the system. It's not just going to be the minorities fighting this. It has to be everyone. If not, we won't win. I would say there's no turning back from here on, you know? We are truly showing a visual and vivid depiction of what it is like to live as people of color. And in this moment, what it's like to specifically be living as a person who is Black or African American. Like I said before, you know, the powerful protests and the the toll of the riots, and I say that in, in you know, in, in the most empowering way, the bigger goal, which is to, you know, eliminate the systematic racism that's been implemented into law enforcement and the criminal justice system, we will, we will see a better future for the generations to come and for ourselves as well. Para la comunidad afroamericana, les quiero decir que nosotros hispanos estamos luchando con ustedes 
esto es su batalla, pero lo vamos a hacer juntos y juntos vamos a salir adelante. Sí, vamos a agarrar justicia. Have hope, because people that have power, people in power, they don't care about us. They have their nails and their claws of power sunken so deep in the system. I think that there is no revolution that has not required chaos, that hasn't required something like this. And I do believe that this is the start of something so different we will never be the same this is the real power that we have right now you were listening to what's up and you know i did explain what my what my idea was and my goal was entering this project this vox populi that i wanted to accomplish um you know, capturing the ideas, concerns, and matters of, you know, youth in our community, because, I mean, as simple as that, youth are the future, like, we matter, our voice matters. So from some of the ideas and things that you heard um, people express in the Vox Populi, what would, um, what would some, what did some of you think? I agreed with um, a lot of the things, and like, especially because like, youth are, like, kind of like paying the way right now to like keep on advocating for Black Lives Matter and like it's all because of voice and it's good to see that unity because it's all we need to hear right now and listen to is our Black brothers, sisters, and non-binary people out there because like I think how Mari Carmen said in the um in the audio piece that nuestra batalla, su batalla es nuestra batalla too, you know, like their struggle is mm -hmm. our struggle too and it's like we're all opening up voices and that's what we need to hear in order to know where to go from this, you know? For sure. Marie, is there anything that, um, that, you know, popped out to you? Honestly, the way that Zippy was really unapologetic in, in her way of speaking, cause like, it's getting frustrating having to like, continue living in a state of like panic and just having to keep fighting for this, like basic right, like as people of color, it's just getting so tiring having to fight for the same thing. And I understand where she comes, I don't understand where she comes from as a black person, but I understand as a minority, like where she's coming from, how frustrated we can get from it. I completely understand. For sure. And I think she captured it perfectly when stating, um, you know, what what else are, are we supposed to be at a time like like now? with all the events happening around us, are we supposed to stay still, keep quiet, not not educate ourselves and fight the fight that our brothers and sisters are fighting? Like we, we have to speak up. Now is not the time to stay silent and complacent. Yes. Yeah, and especially like how um, someone said um, that we are like, like living history and like there is a system that's not meant for black lives or you know other people of color but specifically black lives and so it's like that's why these voices are so important because we need to fight that and the youth are continuing to fight for that like there's protest after protest and like march after march and uh, it's good it's nice to see that it's the youth that are really paying the way right now but yeah we are going to go into the voices right now. So we're going through tough times, 
our black brothers, sisters, and non-binary beauties are needing us at this moment to stand and fight with them for Black Lives Matter. Without the black activists and black voices, we can't take the steps necessary without their guidance and understanding of the matter. So let's listen. Today's black activists leading us into the conversation on the Black Lives Matter movement is for Sean, a Chicago artist, singer, writer, multi-talented human. He does it all people. Brishan will explore the history that has long affected Black people in America to the point where Black Lives Matter had to be advocated. He shares his personal experience as a Black queer man living in America to help those who don't understand why Black Lives Matter. So let's take a listen. My name is Brishan K. Reddick. I am 24 years old. I do a lot of different things. I'm an artist, I'm a writer, I'm an, an activist, I am just an, an innovator. Like I'm always looking for new things to, you know, innovate myself and innovate the world and just make the world just a little bit better. Right now, we're going through hard times and experiencing history through the Black Lives Matter movement. What is going through your head? Wow. So, so many things uh, have been going through my head. I think my my mind is already a chaotic place, just like as an artist. I think there's a thin line between chaos and art. Um, but like as of right now, my what's going through my mind is tiredness. Like I'm tired of seeing like the same old thing over and over and over as far as like, why is it so controversial? for like black people to just be like hey can i live this has been a thing that's been going on since before the inception of america itself like literally like 1619 the first slaves landed on this this piece of land just i feel like we all need to just have a conversation and not just because we get it like you and i and everyone else probably that's listening to this interview but the people that need to get it aren't getting it and i think that is what's the most frustrating for me and i'm thinking about how i'm hoping everyone is protecting their mental spaces and i'm hoping everyone is just I mean, even protecting themselves physically because things are wild out here. I'm thinking about what the future holds for Black liberation and liberation of marginalized groups. And yes, just so many things like where's my, you know, where's my space in all of this? How can I help? How can I propel this movement forward through art and through writing and all of that good stuff? how you said like even trying to make art out of what's going on you know because you know art has always been a way of to tell history as well you know like many movements that happened in the past they've used poetry and stuff like that so i think that's like amazing that you're already thinking ahead as well like what can the future get from this you know oh definitely i mean just art is just and i might be biased because i'm an artist but art is such a pivotal and strong and useful tool to get through life like i mean you just think about when all of the the huge like renaissances and stuff happened in the in the past with the enlightenment and how art developed and took different form it was in conjunction with some really dark times in the past and so i think right now is no different i think art also helps people 
not just escape uh, reality, but also like look at reality from different lens. I think really it's our duty as artists to continue to create and continue to tell the story how we want to tell the story. Because I mean, as we all know, history books don't always, you know, have accurate information in them. And so our art is what will be the stories, the groundwork that we'll be showing and that future generations will look at. So why do you think that the murder of George Floyd was the ticking point for this movement to go on even further? I think really it is just a situation of, I'd like to look at it as like a boiling pot. And these things have been constantly happening said these things have been happening since before the inception of uh, America itself. And so every so often, I think that the pot, you know, the temperature constantly is rising and each murder is another notch on the, the eye of the stove and until eventually the pot boils over and it almost seems cyclic sometimes, but I think it was a, a good time to have you know, this movement take off the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and so many different Black lives. I think the reason why it's taken off right now, if nothing else, is just the simple fact that we are tired. Just the world right now, even, I mean, the world right now is tired of, you know, white supremacy and its grip on reality. And this was just the moment. You know, and I, I feel like this is a very pivotal moment in American history and global history because, I mean, there's a literal pandemic happening and there's earthquakes happening in California and fires happening in Australia. And I think people are just shook up right now because it is a moment of change and and humanity and, and humanity's existence. I think that right now is a very pivotal moment in the existence of humanity. And we're literally watching so many institutional structures that are meant to oppress people like crumble as we speak. And it's it's my favorite song <laughs> to hear just, you know, capitalism and celebrity culture and uh, systemic racism and just just so many different things that have been oppressing people are changing right now. And hopefully changing for the better to for you know for all of us who live in a more equitable world that works for the 99 and not just the one you know just like personally how would you define the black experience in america you know like having to teach black children at a young age how to deal with cops and like things like that i mean firstly i would just like to say that just the black experience in America is not a monolith. And so like, it's hard for me to explain the entire black experience, but myself, my black experience just growing up is, I feel like a little bit different than most people because I was raised for the first part of my life in a predominantly white neighborhood. And so I experienced the covert racism, not really realizing for a while that it was even happening. Like I was for the longest, like the only black person in my class, or it was me and another person, but they were mixed. And so I was the only, I'll say I was the only darker skinned black person in my class. And so just navigating that from a small age, and then even 
like after that moving from a predominantly white neighborhood to moving to a predominantly black neighborhood and you know navigating that and so my black experience has been has been interesting to say the least it's taught me a lot of things it's strengthened me in a lot of ways it has you know allowed me to do introspection and especially during quarantine like figure out what my place is in just existence but also what my place is as a black person what does it mean to be black for me because it means to be different things for different people i could definitely have so much to say i mean even thinking about like the crime rate in black and brown and indigenous communities like you increase the education these are there are studies behind this you in- increase the education implement social work and mental health facilities throughout and the crime rates will go down like you smash people in these enclosed ghettos essentially and you take away all their resources and then you drop in drugs and then you drop in guns and then you act surprised when there is a high you know violence rate and there is high policing in these neighborhoods but it all wraps back to 1619 like honestly like yeah i can go off on a tangent about it's all a plan you know very that's why it's important to to note that it's systemic racism because it's not just you know someone calling someone the n-word it is much more than that it's a system i mean even the, the the school to prison pipeline like even prison itself like it's it shouldn't be what it is of just you know taking quote unquote criminals uh, or incarcerated people and putting them away like what about restorative justice what about prison reform what about you know rehabilitation like there's so many things that could be fixed within our communities in order to have a more equitable life in the future but it seems like every time we we try to do that it is either torn down i mean we think about it's going on 99 years of the the tulsa oklahoma race riots and the the bombing of tulsa oklahoma by white supremacists and how we built a black wall street and we built wealth and it was completely torn down and so like we're always being told to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps but people are failing to realize that we didn't have bootstraps in the first place and then when we built our own bootstraps and tried to pull them up they were snatched away from us and um going back to the movement how can every individual use their strengths and resources to all support the common cause of the black lives matter movement so for example allyship if anything we can definitely each use our strengths to continuing the fight continuing to advocate for each other to continue like to recognize that we are not each other's enemies like the enemy isn't Latinx communities versus black people or even the enemy for me at least and i know some people think differently but for me the enemy isn't even white people like the enemy is white supremacy and it always will be white supremacy until white supremacy ends and so recognizing that our strength lies in solidarity recognizing that we have much more in common than we have different and recognize that those differences can help us in many different ways those aren't to be you know shunned or even you know i hear people say like oh i don't see color that's the problem the problem is 
you know, you're not seeing color. The solution is seeing color and recognizing that color is completely fine, but also recognizing that sometimes equity needs to be put into place because color has marginalized people since before the inception of this country. And people that are in privileged positions need to use that privilege to help people that are not in privileged positions throughout the entire spectrum of what it means to be a citizen in this societal structure. I mean, I agree. And even just like, like to take that step, like, I feel like, you know, white people would have to give up their privileges, you know, like they have to acknowledge that they have them. And- yeah. And it literally, it literally takes just that. It takes the upending of the privilege of the the group of people that have had it before America, before many, many different places were established as countries and regions and stuff. And that's one of the key reasons why it's such a power struggle, because the like these systems have been in place and these specific people have been in power for so long. And so can we really expect them to just like, oh yeah, here it is. Here's the power that I've had for like centuries. Here you go over like completely easily. Like, no, we can't, we can't expect that at all. And so it's almost, for me, it's hard to watch and it's hard to hear and it's hard to be in that fight, but it's also not a surprise because I mean, just simply put like things change not easily. Like when just think about how hard it is to change habits of your own. And so if you can see how hard it is to change habits of your own, like imagine how hard it is for someone. And this isn't, you know, at all advocating for the people in power or anything, but imagine how hard it is for those people in power to give up that power. And so they are not so that's why we have to that's why we have to level the playing field and make it be known that there shouldn't be you know a few people in power the power should be to everybody equitably across the entire globe exactly because like you said like they're not gonna they're not gonna want to give up their power once once you have power it's kind of hard to give it up very yeah very much so mm-hmm so finally, um, is there anything else you'd like to add that's on your mind or something that needs to be said about everything that's going on or something we didn't touch on? Or Besi- I mean, just besides the fact that, like I said, throughout this interview, solidarity is our biggest strength right now. We should continue to uplift each other, um, uplift everyone that is on the right side of history, uplift everyone that is fighting the good fight and continue to push forward. Like whenever we come upon these extremely trying times in world history, I always think about how we got here. And I think about my ancestors and how they endured back in the the 17th century, just sitting on the boat for days and days and all of them really not knowing you know, whether they would live or die and just continue to, to move forward. Like the, the, the simple fact and not just black people, but everyone like Latinx community, the indigenous people here, like how their population was raped. Sorry to use that very, you know, dark word, but essentially that's, that is what happened. And still, we are all still here. And that means somewhere along the lines, our ancestors, our great, great, great grandfather met our great, great, great grandmother and continue to do the fight. Because 
if they hadn't, if they hadn't fought, if they hadn't survived, then we wouldn't be here. And so we have to think along those lines and continue to push forward so our descendants can be here. And not only can they be here, but hopefully not be fighting the same fight that we're fighting today and they can be liberated, finally. Thank you so much, Brayshawn. This was much needed and you went in. You hit all the points. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to have this platform and allowing me to, you know, use my voice to spread knowledge and love and peace. And yeah, I appreciate it so much. And I just encourage, because I know you've been on the front lines as well. So I encourage you to continue to fight the good fight and continue to protect yourself. I love and appreciate you and, you know, your life is of value to me and everybody that's listening right now, like all of your lives are of value to me and I love each and every one of you as I love myself and continue pushing forward. You know, we got this. We got this. And thank you. I value you so much as well. And again, where can we find you? Give us the X. Yeah, for sure. Everyone can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brashan the Human. Brashan is spelled B-R-S-N. So it's at B-R-S-N the Human. And yeah, like go there and just follow me and I'll show you some love and give you some knowledge and all of that good stuff. I'm looking forward to, to speaking with everybody. Again, thank you so much, Brashan. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you. WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. This is What's Up, Black Lives Matter, period. So, guys, let's talk about police brutality and just police in general. So, what are like your initial thoughts about police and like how the system manages other people? Um, I think that I want to comment on some of the things that were covered in the interview by Prashan. Um, I do want to point out that he made really awesome points because I think that if we start increasing the funds for our education and our mental health, like, uh, you know, cops won't really be needed in the in the in our communities because we are doing better with each other and for each other. And I think that's like a really huge factor. And also, like um, how it was mentioned, restorative justice. I think that's also like a really important part and the idea that like in our communities, we also believe that in one way in its way like we're against each other but in reality like that's just what the system has led us to believe when we really share like one enemy which is like the system um so i really took that away from the interview i took a lot actually away from that but those are my um initial comments on that what about you marie what do you think about this for like the police brutality in general it's just when people comment like for the black lives matter movement and people say blue lives matter too Blue isn't the color of your skin. It's a job. It's a uniform. It's a badge. And I don't understand why people are like prioritizing these people's jobs over people's lives. And that's an issue. And it just doesn't make any sense to me that people are putting these lives of cops over lives of people. And it just, and taking away from what Nine had said about the interview, it's just, ugh. It's a big mess with the police department and restorative justice is the way to go. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just seeing how, if you look specifically, like cops are like funded like the most. And 
It's just, okay, so during the protests and everything, they were given, like, materials or resources, like, more armor and, like, more, like, just, like, I don't know, equipment. While a lot of our frontline workers weren't given anything and they were still, like, struggling to get anything that could, like, help them. So I do see, like, an inequality and a sort of favoritism when you look up, um, when, just in general, when you see how they prioritize policemen and also... I don't know. I just don't agree with it. And I just think that a lot of the system has like used and overpowered a lot of policemen where like a lot of people feel inferior to it. And instead of like policemen actually helping you and that creates fear and more anxiety near. Um, so like, I would say, would anyone have like a, an idea on that? I don't know. I think about it a lot. Like cops are not going anywhere. You know what I mean? They're still going to be here. And I feel like the their system of how they get like trained and all of that really needs to get looked into because i i mean not trying to go all over the place with all of this but just think about like how in the military they they train you like they psychologically break you to believe that like you you know like to have a certain mentality and you kind of have this mentality of like you know competition and like just being strict and like being like using force and being you know like that has to go because if you're going to be serving communities, like, how are you going to just come into a community and treat people like they're not people? Like, how do you have the heart to hit somebody you don't even know? Like, this is somebody's child. This is somebody's father, somebody's mother, you know, like, how, how, like, this just doesn't make sense. And it's been going on for way too long. Like, at what point does this stop? Like, these are also other people that need to be, like, held accountable for, like, their psychological problems. Like, at this point, you have a problem as a cop that if you need to be coming out into these streets treating people like that, like, and I don't know. I just also feel like when complaints go through, obviously, they don't, they don't get acknowledged as much. And, like, I don't know. It's just a huge issue that needs to get broken down and tackled little by little like all sides of it like nothing can be missed because as soon as something is missed a little bit that's going to get extended and like damage what is trying to get fixed that's my opinion i truly believe that because i feel like you lose the purpose of the job of protecting others when you feel like you're above the law to hit and kill others like what's the point of the job anymore if you're doing that it's, it's a mess, the whole police system in itself. It's it's a mess. And I think also Brashan brought an amazing point about how, imagine how hard it is for people in power to give up their power. Like, you know, and he mentioned too, like not a few people should have the power. It should be like everyone. And like, these are also like times to reflect like on all the history that like, imagine we're going through this now and how it was mentioned in the interview, like what, like, people from the past like our ancestors had to go through and like why are we still going through it today and in its own way like you know we have to continue doing this work so our generations don't have to share the same concerns like or or future generations that you know like i don't know i'm sad also like going on to the conversation about like just police power it's like noticing how in a lot of Western or Southern like side of Chicago is more filled with cops than like other places. And it just feels very marginalized and very like, it's very restrictive. And it's, it creates like for me personally, I just don't like seeing cops cause I get anxious. But like, I know for other kids, I like, get it, it's worse, you know? And like 
just having that type of environment where like you know like the cops won't help you out is not right and obviously like there should be something that you could fix on that and like going on to right now during the protests how cops are actually like covering their badges and like not giving you their badge numbers like i just think it's it's unfair it's not well it's not professional like yeah i don't believe in that yeah and this system was just never for us and let alone black lives so in order to continue the conversation um we're gonna have another speaker and a black activist leading us in the conversation on the black lives matter movement is rachel slurs the most beautiful drag queen in the chicago scene um, where they'll explore the importance of black lives matter while helping viewers understand why this movement is important through their experience as a non-binary black queer person hello um my name is andre easton or known as rachel slurs I am 21, which might be old, but I'm a ripe, young, pretty 21, if I must add myself. I work outside of doing drag, which is uh, the persona of Rachel Slurs. I work at a life insurance company, um, doing a lot of paperwork, a lot of boring stuff. Um, so yeah, that's who I am. Right now, we're going through hard times and experiencing history throughout the Black Lives Matter movement. What is going through your head? Oh, I, it's it's a lot going through my head right now. Just thinking about my, my own personal safety, uh, the safety of my, my Black uh, peers um, in whatever aspect, my family, my friends, my chosen family, um, especially when we go out to these protests and I'm concerned about everybody because that's just the type of person I am and it's just overwhelming to think about what's going on and the injustices that are are happening within the within the world right now it's, it makes me sick to be honest it the other day I like literally I um so Monday I logged into work and um because we we were told not to go into the building just for our safety of everything that was going on and I logged into work and I turned on some music and I literally just started crying. And I, I didn't, like, I understood why I was crying, but just, I didn't know that I was that overwhelmed with everything that was going on, that I had that much built up. It just makes me sick with everything that's going on and having to worry about many different aspects. So that's where I'm at right now. Try to, trying to um, make sure I keep an equal balance of positive going on and whatever that that aspect may be, whether it be playing video games or looking at funny videos, but trying to keep that balance is what I'm what I'm finding is keeping me sane. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I mean, I could never imagine what you're going through or any other black life is going through. So that it's crazy. It seems like there's moments where it's like you can't even control your own emotions, you know? Exactly. And, like, I wasn't even, like I said, I wasn't even expecting to cry. It just, I played it, I guess it was the song I was playing and the message that I knew was behind that song. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even, like, a, a slow or, like, a sad song. It was just, I guess, the message behind that song. And my eyes just started to well up and I cried. And I was like, okay, I need to, like, just take a step back and 
not obviously not from the movement, but just take a step back from what I was doing in that present moment and just reflect. And I don't know, it just is, it's just so like weird right now and on this emotional roller coaster in any aspect. No, for real. And I mean, songs really can't just be like that ticking point too, you know? Yes. I was like, girl, I need to, let me go, let me go back to sleep and then I'll work after. (laughs) That could help though. That could help. So um, moving on, why do you think that the murder of George Floyd was the ticking point for this movement? Honestly, I couldn't even give you a reason on why, why that ended up being the, the the boiling point there has been so much in regards to black lives being stolen from us that has gone on over the years and we, we did what we can to protest them we we advocated we we tried to get the justices that were necessary um and when we did like it it didn't stop us but i i couldn't even tell you why why this ended up being the one that that just tipped everything over it it you can just tell a lot of a lot of people, a lot of black people, uh, a lot of people in general, honestly, were just tired. Um, and it 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 it's time. It has been time for a long time. Um, but yeah, I I couldn't even tell you why the that that specific case was the one. But it it I'm glad it happened now, and especially right before it's time to vote again because it needed to happen. It's a sad reality for sure. Like we didn't want it to happen, but it happened, and now like we're taking step into action. You know. Yeah, and just to clarify for anyone listening, I didn't mean the the death needed to happen, but there there needed to be a point where we were done. We were done just being okay with how we were being treated. Even if it, it, a death wasn't included, there there needed to be something that happened that would spark this this nationwide nationwide advocacy for a movement that ha- that has been so present in so many people's lives. How is it that it took this long for people to unite for the Black Lives Matter movement when Black lives have been experiencing inequality for more than three hundred years? Oh, that's a hard one too. It, I think. People, because people, black people in general thought because, especially I, for me personally, we, I felt that once we got to Obama and not necessarily okaying everything that he did because there, there was definitely some things that he did that weren't okay. Um, but it allowed us to, to be ourselves even for that, that eight period, eight, eight year period. Um, but we, we felt that we were okay um, and that we weren't dealing with as many injustices because we had a black president. So I feel that whole eight year period was like, I guess a safe period in many people's minds. So we felt that we like, obviously we knew everything wasn't going to change immediately with him being president, but we felt that enough had stopped where we didn't have to worry anymore. And now with Trump in office, it's just been downhill ever since. Um, so I, I think that his, his actions up until this point and even most likely going forward have, have warranted us to finally, without ceasing, um, use our voices and use our actions 
to to try to get somewhere eventually get somewhere where we don't have to worry about anything else yeah i get you like it's almost like cuz you know we we know there has been like racist precedents in the past and stuff but it's like now that we have someone that's like very vocal about it it's like Literally. yeah you know and especially i think what's what's also help well not helping but giving us more more reason to to fight now is that him being president and him being as vocal as he is it's opened the door for so many people because now they feel because we have a person in power who who's very vocal now we we're at a point where we can use our voices and not feel like we're going to be attacked because this is what our president is doing that that fuel that that Trump is giving a lot of these people to to be racist and be prejudiced and discriminate in whatever form that may be it's given us reason to be louder with what we were doing even before everything like that has transpired within the last 4 years. Oh yeah, I hear you. And then also like it's him and then it's just like the system in general, you know, like police officers and stuff. Which brings me to my next question. Um if any what experiences have you had with police officers that have rubbed you the wrong way if any? Honestly, the only thing that that's ever been for me was always getting pulled over or being followed by police. I noticed especially since having my own car in the town that I live in I live in Westchester Illinois and it which is a pretty diverse suburb but it, you can tell there's more diversity needed I observe when I'm like going out to the store or when I'm just driving around in general in my town and a police starts following me you can tell why they're following me which is obviously because there's a black person behind the wheel and then you you know when a police is following you they look up your plates and they figure out where you're from or where you're going or whatever the case may be and you can tell once they gotten back the record on my plate or whatever they're looking at they know that I live in Westchester so now they probably don't feel like I'm a threat because I'm I live in the community community that they live in that's honestly probably the only thing I've ever dealt with in terms of like police but I can tell you for sure that I've I've dealt with many racial slurs um many many derogatory names coming from a predominantly white um middle school and just walking the streets of where my middle school was people just yelling out the n word or yelling out any other racial slur that's that's meant to cause harm to my character um so yeah that's that's pretty much what i've dealt with how did it make you feel like knowing that they were just following you based on the color of your skin i was i was scared i I honestly am still like to this day a a a bit afraid because I know it, when you see the stories of other people being pulled over for senseless things and now their lives are gone just because they maybe ran a stop sign or whatever the case may be it's very scary because you don't know what the outcome's going to be and you just think in your head like okay I'm going to be fine I'm going to be fine and then somehow the situation escalates to something else but I think it's very scary to even see a cop following me especially when i have like my friends in the car whether they are black or they are any other form of poc it's it's just extremely scary cuz you just don't know what could happen you're right you just never know and it's a scary position to be in and what about as a drag queen have you ever felt having to prove yourself more because of the color of your skin oh definitely there have always been situations where i felt that i could have been worthy enough to get a a, a booking or been able to perform somewhere and you you feel that someone didn't book you just because you're black or any other case but i feel 
really good about the Chicago drag scene is that we they offer many opportunities for queens of color, whether they be black or any other category of, of POC. We're very open about different forms of drag, different, just many different aspects of drag, whether that be your drag queen or a drag king, or you don't necessarily identify as a male or a female in drag. You just use drag as your art to express whatever you want to express. So I would say here that you notice is majority of the non-POC, non-Black queens are the ones that get the most praise. I think we've been pretty okay, especially since I've been in the uh, drag scene, uh, primarily the 21 plus drag scene. You've noticed like pretty much everybody gets bookings, but you notice more when the the white queens, they're, they're getting the, oh, you look so pretty or you look so good and your drag so polished and they get all the compliments and then you're just standing in the background like, okay, now where's my props? Where's my... Where's my accolades? Because I've worked just as hard, if not harder, than these other queens or other kings or whatever the case may be. And no one's giving me my praise or whatever the case may be. Not to like be like very prideful or try to stroke my own ego or anyone else's ego, but it's just very that. You you just, at some point, you're like fishing for compliments because you're like, okay, let me feel what these white queens are feeling because I'm not getting that same attention, you know? No, exactly. I've seen it. <laughs> like, I, I believe you. It's It just shows, you know, how much like anti-Blackness or racism there could be in the LGBTQ. Especially in that when, um, for anyone who watches like Drag Race, when Jada won there and they posted her picture on the Drag Race Instagram page, obviously see like people commenting, yes, Jada, like you did that, you work or whatever the case may be. But what stuck out the most were all of the fans of Gigi who is a white queen for anyone who hasn't watched Drag Race, but all that, all of her fans being like, Jada didn't deserve it, Gigi was deserving because she did the most out of the box stuff and they only chose Jada because of what the current the current social and, and political climate is right now. And it's just disheartening to see like all the racism um, and prejudice within, with even within the queer community, especially being a, commu- a community that has also had to fight for its place in society. It just sucks to see how much discrimination can happen even within communities that have pretty much dealt with the same thing, just on different levels. Right. And like, why do you think there's so much anti-Blackness or racism in the community? You would you would think that people would be more accepting, more, I don't even know the word, just better at, at ex- acceptance and better at loving everyone despite what what or what or who they are um and it's just not that way and just don't understand why people just don't don't feel that everyone deserves an equal chance and it just sucks yeah even from what happened a couple days ago with um iana dior Mm -hmm. that was that was proof right there you know exactly or what That, that just wasn't necessary what actions which more than likely, if I'm not mistaken, was nothing, caused people to do that. It's ridiculous. Right. It was like 20 plus men over her. Like, were you all really that threatened for all of you to to gang up on, on her and, and just beat on her? Like, it just wasn't necessary. Which brings me on to my next question. Like, how would you define the Black experience in America, you know, like having to teach Black children how to deal with police officers at such a young age and having to act a specific way and stuff like that? I think it really depends. 
and I it it's probably it's gonna suck to say it like this, but it it depends your black experience depends on how dark you are. Because you I obviously you know you would know that there's um there's mixed um African American people, whether that be mixed with white or mixed with um Puerto Rican or Mexican or whatever the case may be. And they can be fair in skin or more white passing and they won't get the same treatment just because they don't look as dark as you or they're not as clockable as you are uh, to being black. So it, it's it's honestly a case by case thing, depending on how you grew up and based on like who you are. Um, in my case, I don't think I, I had anything that I can recall. My parents like bringing me up a certain way to be aware of police. I think it was mostly me seeing it on. Um, but yeah, I feel that, the like I said, the experience um, of a, a POC Black person is very um, contingent upon how, how dark they are. Man, I'm so glad you're here. Like, you just said that <laughs> so perfectly. <laughs> like, it, it, there's just a lot that goes into it, even outside of just the whole the Black Lives Matter movement, just in any aspect. Um, like I said, just for anyone listening, look up what indoctrination is and look up what education is. And you you open your mind up to so many new things and so many different aspects, so, so many different perspectives, I mean. And just, yeah, just do that. <laughs> Listen, okay, look it up. <laughs> Period. Period. So final question. Is there anything else you'd like to add that's on your mind? There's something that needs to be said about everything that's going on or any topic that we talked about? Honestly, I would just say stop policing. And that's probably a bad word to use, but stop stop trying to tell Black people how to use their voice, how to use their actions, how to do anything within this movement, because everything that we're doing, everything that you've seen being done, um, is very, very, very much so warranted because we've gone literally almost five centuries with being the underdog of whatever community we've been present in, and it sucks. So just make sure you're advocating, you're checking on on your your black friends, your your black family. Um, use your voice to whatever extent you can. I know that there's some people who who don't have um, the access to get to these protests or don't necessarily feel comfortable being at protests because of um, some physical um, some physical things or some mental things or they're anxious or whatever the case may be. If that's the case, just repost, use your voice, um, donate. Um, there's a lot that could be done, honestly. Check on us when in whatever aspect. And quite honestly, don't don't feel bad if we're only if we're responding really dry or we're not giving you the response that you're necessarily looking for, because it's, it's honestly not about you. We're just fed up. We're, we're pretty much done talking or done trying to, trying to ourselves educate people on a movement that we shouldn't have to educate on. Um, so just, just be aware of everything. Look out for your friends, look out for your, your family and, and whatever aspect and be safe. Thank you so much. That was Rachel Slurs. 